Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his grand circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave, and I'm bringing you another podcast. I know I haven't done one in a while, and perhaps I won't do another one for a little while. I'm still in a point of thinking about things that are going on, and I still have a lot of mixed emotions about things, so I wanted to share that with you and kind of tell you where I am and kind of give you a perspective that'll hopefully carry you over for a little while. So it started with me getting an email the other day from someone I know in the blogosphere, you know, Disney blogger or podcaster, asked me a very simple question. Are you as excited as I am about the Walt Disney World Resort opening back up? And that gave me pause. My answer is not a simple yes or no answer. My answer is much more nuanced. There's a lot more going on than me just thinking, yeah, it's great to go back. Uh, It's way more complicated than that. And I wanted to share with you some of my thinking around it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to break this up into basically two parts. My first part is sort of the where I stand on the overall feeling of where we are with the virus and Disney and et cetera. And then my second part is about some of the positives and some of the things that maybe we can look forward to a little bit. So hope that helps and hope that gives you something to, you know, to kind of think about a little bit. So as far as the more negative stuff, and the, this is a little more emotional, some of it, some of it kind of personal to me and some of the things I'm thinking. And the first part has to do with the coronavirus itself. This virus is virulent. This virus continues to infect a lot of people. There's an official number that's come out from the government that there's about 3 million people that have been infected. And the CDC suggests that it could be 10 times that, which would be closer to 30 million. And that would be 10% of our U.S. population. That's a pretty significant number to be infected in basically three months, four months. That's a lot of people. And some people sell it as, bill it as, this is, you know, the virus isn't that bad, only 2% of the population that gets it dies, and yada, yada, yada. But it's still a big number. You know, if you consider that 30 million people may get it, and 2% of them may die from it, that's still a pretty significant number. Right, you still have to consider that as something that um, is is important. Right, you have to kind of take that along with you and just consider what is what is two percent of thirty million? <laughs> is it six hundred thousand people? You know, that's um, that's a pretty big number, right? Um, so you know, you kind of have to consider that a little bit and think about you know what that means. Now, I've known people who have gotten it. And I've known, I've known of, I haven't personally known anyone who's died, but I know of some people who have died from it. You know, friends of friends, friends of relatives, and so forth. And it's emotional, right? People die. Um, yes, people die of a lot of different things, but this one we could do more with, right? We could do more to, to kind of prevent it. The virus doesn't care what you think about it. The virus is going to continue to do what a virus does and just propagate and go make its way around. 
Now this virus in particular has shown a tendency to mutate to a degree to make it harder to pin down and build an immunization around. So there's a lot of factors to it and a lot of things that happen in a technical sense as far as the, the, the science of it all. And it's kind of an interesting thing when you go and look at the science behind it. There's a lot of things that happen. So, you know, this, this is an interesting problem we have that we have to solve for. And we're not doing enough to try and solve for it. And kind of the, the backbone of this is the leadership in our state and at the federal level is lacking. There's not enough guidance and there's not enough direction. If someone just would just put their stinking foot down and say something, maybe we would actually get somewhere. So I'm going to say something that I know some of you will find controversial and you may turn off my podcast and that's just fine. Have a nice day. Don't care. Um, and if you want to just go drink your hydroxychloroquine or your bleach and, you know, go about it, go for it. But this guy, Donald Trump, he's an idiot. He's not getting it done. He ignored the warning signs, he defunded the organizations that could have supported this, and now he's doing nothing to try and prevent it. You know, the very thing that he was saying about Obama, oh, he's out golfing when he should be governing, that's exactly what he's doing. So I have a problem with the way his response goes to this. And he could be doing more, even at this point, to try and help this. Tell people to wear a mask. That would be a huge thing. It's, it's an important thing. It's one of the basic science things that you learn. Just, just understand the basic science. You're breathing out. There's molecules going out. There's things carried in there. <laughs> Come on. There's, you know, in the water vapor that's carried, something happens, right? So you breathe it out. Someone else breathes it in. They get it. And people are going to get sick from it. And so there's really only one way to slow it down at this point, and that's to use, use a mask. And we could do more with kind of help, helping to keep the economy, you know, keep our economy, try to run, keep it running by doing some smarter things, but instead we're just open, 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 let's go back to it, let's get kids back to school, and so on. It's just, it gets out of control. So it, it feels very silly to me that we're not doing more at this point to try and help curb this. Um, and so I've, this is where the, the kind of the mixed part of the emotion comes in that, you know, it's like we could just be doing more because the politics of it bleed into Disney to a large degree because Disney is kind of stuck, right? At the end of the day, they're still a corporation and they're still trying to make money and they can only trade on their brand for so long. I remember reading something at one of the, uh, one of the journals, it's a, a stock trading um, sheet where they talk about different stocks and so forth. And one of the things an analyst said was, Disney is better off opening and net losing money than staying closed. And they're right. They have to do something to try and keep the economy going in some way. So I appreciate where they're coming from and what they're trying to do. And I'll come back to that point specifically in just a minute. But the, the broader point is Disney is trying to make money. So they're doing things. They've got the NBA there. They've got the Major League Soccer there. They're staying on property. They're actually out there and uh, they're going to be broadcasting games. So this is good for Disney to a large degree, right? As a corporation, it's good for them. But it's about the bottom line, and it's about the economic factors, and there's some issues I have with that. While it's a good thing, there's some issues. Um, and then they have the Vacation Club properties, and I don't claim to be a lawyer or know all the rules or anything like that, but here's what I understand about it. The Vacation Club property is uh, is a contract. It's a timeshare contract between the Disney company and the people who invest in it. And unless and, and until there's a force majeure, something that happens where they can't open the properties. So if the state were to say, hey, we can't, you can't open your hotels, then they could keep them closed. But because they haven't said that, Disney has to open the DVC properties to business just because that's the nature of the contract. 
And so therefore they have to let people stay there. They have to let people use their points. It's a, you know, it's a situation they got themselves into by investing heavily into the timeshare properties. And that's fine. You know, that's their business, but now they have to have it open and let people stay there. Well, if they're going to have people staying there, what do they get to do while they're there? So why not go ahead and open the theme parks and so on and so on? And it kind of carries through there. So, you know, the economic factors kind of figure in here. It's the politics of it all. But the virus itself keeps spreading. And we have to be very careful about how we think about it. You know, we can keep saying, yeah, the death rate is down. There's treatments for it if you get sick. But what we don't realize is that a lot of people do get sick. Yes, maybe only 2% of them die. And some number of that percentage is helped by the fact that the healthcare workers are doing everything they can to keep people alive. They're doing you know, everything in their power. And they've learned a lot over the last several months from you know, experiences of th things that work and things to do. And yeah, maybe there's some treatments and things they can do after people get really sick. But they still get really sick and the ICU beds are full. And you, know, you get sick and you go to the hospital and it's not just a, oh, I'm gonna be there for a week and I'll feel better. No, no, no. A lot of people are going into the intensive care unit and they're actually near death. I mean, that's the thing about it. And maybe only some portion of them, some small portion of them die, but a lot of people come out of there um, with uh, long-term ailments, you know, long-term disabilities, different problems that exist because of it. And they're not counted in that number. You know, unlike other things like say the flu where some people die, but pretty much everyone recovers, this some people don't exactly recover from and go back to a normal life. Some people will have other issues, lingering issues, things that become health problems over time. And I don't think we understand enough about it to just brush it away at this point. So to sell it kind of short like that is not really fair. And that's, that kind of bothers me a little bit that people kind of brush it, under, brush it away as going, oh yeah, yeah, it's only a small number of people that die. You know, we could do more to help ourselves. You know, just to, just to be more in tune with it and understanding and appreciative of the fact that this particular virus is very, you know, is very dangerous in a way. So it's kind of a, kind of an interesting thing I've been thinking about with Disney is just, you know, kind of they're stuck between the rock, the proverbial rock and the hard place because they have the economic side, but they also have the financial side. Now, one other thing I wanted to mention on the virus itself, and that has to do with the fact that this virus, for whatever reason, seems to disproportionately affect people of color. And what the reason for the, is for that is not well understood. And, you know, there's a, there's a couple of proposed reasons. It probably has nothing to do with anything in their genetics. It probably has more to do with economic factors and where they're living and so forth. And this ties right back to the Black Lives Matter movement. Now, typically, things that are on a broader scale that don't directly impact Disney in the sense of this is, you know, something like the virus, I wouldn't talk about on this podcast. But in this particular case... I think there's a bigger problem at stake here. And if you do a little research and read up a little bit more in history and understand a little bit more about uh, how we got here, right, and why this matters, you, you start to get a better perspective on it. If you think about the fact that people were taken from their homelands, brought here as enslaved people and made to work, forced to work. And then eventually, you know, they got to the point where the Civil War uh, was was played out and uh, fought out, and we got to the point of actually um, freeing the slaves. And yes, they were free, but I would put that in sort of quotes because they didn't, they weren't forced into labor anymore. But yet, they weren't given the economic op opportunities. We weren't, we didn't turn around and say, okay, you're free and you have the same rights as everyone else, because they didn't. And so it became a, a more complicated thing 
Um, and then we had to enact laws and things to try and help. But yet we kept people out of uh, certain places and didn't give them the opportunities and even didn't even grant them the right to vote for many years. And, you know, those things obviously directly impacted it. And, you know, now you're seeing the repercussions of that hundred or so years later when it's still, there's still an impact to people who are, have a skin color that's black that makes no sense where the police profile them or they, uh, you know, they're disproportionately put into prison for whatever, or they're treated differently in some way, or they still don't have the same economic advantages or opportunities or the ability to do some things. So all of these things led up to, you know, the, the time we had recently where a policeman kneeled on a guy's neck and killed him, right? And this guy, don't, don't forget his name, George Floyd, right? He was murdered by the police because he passed a counterfeit $10 bill and was complying with the police and reportedly didn't even know it was a counterfeit bill. It wasn't something he was doing intentionally, really. You know, I've had some, I have and have had some friends who are black and, you know, they tell me about their dealings with the police and they seem to all follow the same sort of pattern generally where police treat them differently than they treat me or uh, other white people. And there's just something really wrong about that. And I hear people say, you know, they, they heard from their parents or they're telling their kids or both how to deal with police when they meet a police officer, you know, if they're pulled over for something where that's a conversation I never had with my parents and I haven't had with my kids. So there's something really different there, right? This is a whole other thing that we've encountered on. And this bothers me more than I can say that we have to, here it is the 21st century and we're having to have this conversation is just absurd to me. Um, I don't care what color someone's skin is. I don't care what their orientation is. I don't care um, what their religion is. I don't care, you know, if they're good people, they're good people. That's all there is to it. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. You're just a good person, right? And everybody in life is trying to get the same thing. They're trying to find fulfillment, happiness, get ahead, be successful in some way, in their own ways. And that's what everybody wants. And sometimes when you hold people back or you tell them no, it just foments this, this sort of attitude. Or, you know, when you police people in a weird way. You know, so I hear these things, and it just that bothers me on a broader scale. It really has nothing to do with Disney directly, but it's sort of that indirect, how can we go and enjoy the wonder and magic of it all if all these things are happening outside? Yeah, I'd like to forget about the world for a while and go to Disney. And in general, I can do that. But in this case, that doesn't feel right. Kind of moving on, uh, I wanted to talk about the other part of what's happening at Disney, and that's some of the more positive things. So Disney has an opportunity to reinvent the theme park experience. They can do some things differently that they've never done before. They can think about things differently. You know, if you think about the fact that they're using a reservation system now, it's a very interesting premise, right? You have to have a reservation to go into the parks. So you can't park hop, you can't do other things, but you have to have a reservation to go in. That's interesting. I wonder how that's going to work in the long term or whether it's going to work out or whether this is going to become something that becomes a more permanent piece, a more permanent fixture to what Disney does. They can control their capacity because as it stands now, you can't control capacity at all, right? In the past, 
people would just come and, you know, when you'd reach a certain point, you'd cut it off and you wouldn't let people in. But there was no sort of limit on it, right? You were, you were just doing it at an arbitrary whim if it got really crowded. And now you're kind of setting a standard up front. And we don't know. It's not transparent to us. It's completely opaque. We don't know what that number is. Is it 1,000? Is it 10,000? We don't know. Now, we do know that in the sense of what Disney is doing right in terms of um, kind of organizing their park, keeping things clean, doing some things, they're doing some very good things, right? There's some very positive things that they're doing. And if the number of people that comes to the park is low, it's much easier to manage the cleanliness, doing the social separation, doing the things to try and help prevent the spread of the disease, the virus. So that's very positive. I think they're doing some very good things there. And the pictures would seem to indicate the number is actually very low. Um, I had kind of guesstimated back of the envelope that they might set it at 25% capacity, but maybe they set it much lower. Maybe they set it at 10%, 15%. Judging from the pictures, that would seem much more likely. You know, they've already had cast member previews and the annual pass holder previews. So we've already seen some of the uh, indication, indicators of how it's going and how many people are letting in the park. Now they have a chance to evolve even further. What else can they do? What other things could they do to make this better, make your experience different the next time you go? So, you know, mobile ordering, online check-in, you know, don't need, don't need guest services in the same way. Those things are, are huge, right? They're, they're bigger. Plus you can control the, uh, the amount of the flow of people, the food, whatever, all of those things are easier to control in that sense. Um, I've heard that they're going to be uh, not offering the magic band as a standard uh, part of your, uh, uh, your hotel reservation or your annual pass. It's gonna be all done through the app now. And in doing it through the app, you have much more uh, ability to uh, manage what you know about people, right? Because now you know where they are exactly in the park. It doesn't have to have the, uh, the radio communication. It's just based on any time you tap the app, anytime you open it up, it's gonna be tracking you. It's gonna know where you are, what you're doing, when did you order? And all that data then becomes something that Disney is using. So all of that becomes very important to understanding how the, your theme park experience could change. Now, I read an interesting um, white paper recently about, from a guy who was talking about the potential for um, changing the way you think about queuing, right? So in, in a traditional sense, Disney puts you in line and you stand in line and you're immersed in the experience. I'll use Pirates of the Caribbean as my shining example. You're going into the, into the uh, outside the Castillo, then you go inside the Castillo, you see sort of the, the um, storyline playing out to a degree. They've got all these props there that think, make you think pirates. You know, you're kind of going through it and then you get to the point of actually loading the attraction. And you know, they added FastPass Plus, which allows you to kind of bypass that, but you lose out on the interactive part of it. What if they, did, and this is the, the thing the guy was proposing, what if they gave you, you know, more of a virtual experience going in? So you, instead of having a fast pass or instead of going to standby, you say, hey, I want to ride this attraction. And it gives you a sort of a set time and it gives, starts giving you things to do to put you in the zone of thinking about the pirates before you ever get up to the pirates, right? So they could do some things that are virtually and interactive type things so you never actually stand in a line except for the short time that you're going through and you're seeing some things that continue to augment on what you've been getting for the last little while as you're going through. So that, you know, you're, instead of being, thinking of it as a return time, think of it as I'm going to ride it, I'm going to actually get on the attraction at one o'clock, but at 1230, I'm going to start doing this virtual stuff for a half an hour and it's going to lead me up to the point where I actually get on the ride at one o'clock. 
right? There's much more you could do, and it becomes a much more immersive experience. Will Disney do something like that? Who knows? I hope they will. I wish they will. I think they will, but I don't know if they will. Um, so if they started doing something like that, it could be really cool. You know, it could be a really amazing kind of immersive experience that you could think of it almost like FastPass Plus 2.0, where they take all of this stuff that they know and all these, you know, all these ride reservation system, and they just shift it in a different way, right? So you don't, you're not trying to look ahead. And you maybe, maybe you do have some online reservations you can do when you reserve your theme park. You can reserve the, um, you can reserve the the uh, actual attraction experiences you want to do too. And it'll give you some times for them, and you you can kind of work toward getting there. And as long as you log in at a certain time and start, you know, doing the immersive part of it, you'll be riding it. So it changes, it could potentially change the whole experience. And that's what I'm getting at here. Disney has a great opportunity to change the whole theme park experience and make it more interesting and compelling. Um, so I think that's kind of neat. And I want to see what they're going to do with those kinds of things, whether they do a technology like that or whether they use something... I don't know. For now, it's just, uh, you know, you get your reservation and you come to the park and you're one of a small number of people that's in the park, so you can just basically ride whatever you want to ride whenever you want to ride it. It's like the days of old, right? It's like the 70s, basically all over again, because that's the way it was at Disney World in the 70s. You would just be able to ride things and take them when you wanted. Now, on the other side of it, um, there was another thing I was thinking about, and it's, you know, Disney employing people. This is a very big thing. You shouldn't overlook this. As much as I, you know, I kind of had that moment of, oh, why are they opening? Disney is actually doing something very good for the economy in a way. They are employing people. So on the whole, Disney has something like, um, at full capacity, Disney hires like 90,000 people to be working at the park at any time. Maybe 10,000 of them or so are like part-time people. And right now they haven't been invited back, though they might be at some point or some of them may have been called back, you know, more recently. But so there's about 80,000 people that they would typically have that would be full-time type people. You have some number, I, I want to say the number is, you know, like um, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 15,000 or so that are college program kids. And the college program has um, temporarily been halted, so there's no college kids coming in. So that's, you know, some number of people that aren't there. You have some number of people who were here on um, international visas, especially the cultural exchange program that was populating all of the people in the Epcot pavilions. Um, because of the government's own standards, there are no people being brought into this country on those visas currently, um, and anybody that had them was sent home. So you're missing some number of thousands of people doing that. And then you also have the Actors, I believe it's the Actors' Equity Union. They provide most of the performers uh, at Disney World. They are uh, still negotiating a contract with Disney, and that's about, uh, I want to say that's another 10,000 people or so, a little more than that maybe, that aren't coming back, right, at this point, uh, because Disney hasn't worked out the details with them as far as what they're going to be doing, um, and safety protocols and so forth, because they do a lot more with um, not having face coverings and so forth, so they have to be very, uh, have to be very smart about what they, what they want in exchange for coming back, right? So that number of people is not there. But the remaining cast members, anybody else, they've all been invited back, and they're employed again. They're working, they're there, they're doing something. Whether that's right or wrong or how you feel about it, at least people are working, right? They've gotten back to work, they're doing something, they're being productive. Because the alternative is to dump them into the unemployment system. And that's, you know, you're talking suddenly thirty to 40,000 people in the unemployment system that you can take out of it. And 
seen my previous note about Disney potentially, you know, if you, it's better to take a loss, an operating loss right now, than it is to be closed. This falls under that category. You're better off having the people employed and doing something than not having them employed. So there's some positive that comes of that. And I, I laud Disney for doing the right thing by them. And if you're keeping your numbers of a guest low, get, I'm sorry, keeping your number of guests low in the park, then you're probably doing the right thing and probably helping people in some way, right? It's a, it's a net positive thing because the, the risk is still relatively low. And again, it's a relative risk. I, you know, there's still a risk. It's, it doesn't go away magically just because you're in the Magic Kingdom. Um, so it's, you know, I think Disney is doing some generally good things. Plus, they're following all the CDC guidelines. They're cleaning. They're doing, you know, they're trying to use social distancing as much as they can. They're reminding people to not take their masks off unless they're actively eating. And they, I read something yesterday where there was a, somebody walking around with like a, a soda and they had their mask off because they were drinking the soda and the cast member stopped them and told them they had to go sit in the area over there and drink the soda and when they were done, put their mask on and then come back out. And the guest was complaining about that, but I think Disney was absolutely right. That's the only way that you can make this work. And so I appreciate what they're trying to do. I get where they're coming from. And I think they're generally sort of doing the right thing. I think there's still a lot of opportunities here. But, you know, given everything... I don't know what alternative they have, you know, and if everybody would sort of follow this same sort of mindset of, hey, we can do things a little bit smarter, a little bit better, and maybe get the economy running just ever so slightly, we can move toward actually reopening the economy at some point rather than always looking at it going, oh my God, how many thousands of people got sick and how many died? You know, maybe we need to just be thinking about how we curb it a little bit, keep it under control and get people to... uh, get back to a sense of normalcy, though it's not actually normal, just moving along a little bit. Look, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to see some sports start playing. Whether they can continue to play is anybody's guess. Whether Disney can continue to stay open is anybody's guess. But at least they're giving it an effort to try and um, make something. You know, they're trying to, you know, make a little bit of a happy moment because what other choice do they have, right? It's sort of a tough thing. How do you choose to stay open and do the things you need to do and make it useful. And I don't, you know, there's no easy answers here. And there's no right answers. And that's why this is all complicated for me. Um, I have very strong opinions about what we're doing as a nation and where we're going and why we haven't done enough or more at this point. Will we still have to have another lockdown? Oh, sure, it's possible. You know, when things get, if things get really bad, maybe. You know, the virus continues to evolve and change and maybe, you know, it doesn't go away, but maybe it, it has less of an effect on people. Maybe. Maybe fewer people get sick. But in the short term, the answer is go out there, be smart, wear a mask, you know, treat other people uh, in a way that makes sense. Look, the, the biggest problem is the mask doesn't exactly protect you from getting it, but it protects others from getting it from you. I'll be, a, I'll be an example here. I don't know if I ever had the virus. I, I couldn't tell you. I'm assuming that I didn't, but there was a period of time back in March when I was fairly sick for a couple of days, and my wife was too, so there's a possibility at least that we had it. Couldn't get tested at that point in time. And at this point, I don't see any reason to be tested, but if I was a carrier for it, or if I am a carrier for it now, I want to protect everyone around me. So I'm going to wear a mask when I go out in public because it's the right thing to do, and I think that everyone should. 
I don't think we should be arguing about this. We shouldn't be politicizing it. It's just a freaking mask for crying out loud. It's just, you know, you put it on when you go outside. You go into the store, you wear the mask. I, you know, I go for a, uh, a bike ride every once in a while. I go for a walk every once in a while. If there's no one else around, I'm okay without wearing a mask. I'm cool with that. But as soon as I get in a situation where there's other people around, I'm putting a mask on because it's the right thing to do. And we should all be doing the right thing and not complaining about it. If you don't want to go out in public, don't go out in public. You want to have a backyard party and not wear it? Fine, that's your business. But if you're going to go out, do the right thing. That's just my take. So, in summary, if I answer the question that I was asked, am I excited about Walt Disney World reopening? The answer is no. Um, And like I said, it's complicated, but I have no intention of going for now. I won't go again until there's an immunization and there's something else that... Uh, that happens that changes the course of this virus. I'm not going back. It's just a personal thing. And that's my choice. And if you want to go there and you want to go enjoy yourself and you want to lose yourself in the magic, great, go for it. I know the magic is a little different right now from what I'm seeing and good for you. But in the meantime, I'm doing other things that are keeping me occupied and having some fun with them and enjoying myself a little bit. And, you know, I've joined some different organizations and things that I think are for a greater good. I won't get into that here, but you know, that's some things that I think are probably the right things to do. And in the meantime, I continue my Lost and Found in Walt Disney World series. I have a lot of um, things I'd filmed before, so I'm trying to get those edited and out there and, you know, just for fun. Um, That's talking about past events that I think are historically interesting, and it's fun. I'm enjoying doing those, so I'm still doing them. I don't want to talk about current events and what's going on. I will talk about it at some point, like I just did here for a couple of minutes, but I don't want to talk about the other stuff because it doesn't, you know, whatever at this point. For now, for today, not not ready for that. So there you go. Those are my thoughts. Um, you know, you make your own decision. Make an informed decision. Do the right thing. You know, make sure that you're doing the right thing by your family and what you think is right. Uh, that's my one piece of advice to you. So, like I said, a little emotional, a little personal. Um, just wanted to share that with you as we uh, head into late summer here in a most unusual kind of time. Um, you know, they say that these kinds of things that affect us, that have large-scale impacts, happen once every couple of generations, right? If you look at it, you had the uh, pandemic of 1918. You had two world wars. You had, um, you know, different um, different things that happened, financial uh, the depression, the, the um, great, uh, sorry, the, I was going to say the depression, the, uh, the financial collapse and uh, stock market crash of 1929. You had some stock market uh, volatility in the 80s. You had a couple of times when it looked like, you know, things were going to change. You know, you look at 9-11 and how that changed in recent history, how that changed the way we think about security. You know, it's, it's a much more subtle thing, but, you know, we change, We gave up some of our rights, and we go to the airport, and we get patted down every single time we go through the airport, right? You know, and you go back and you watch a show from the '70s, and people were just walking through the airport, and we get on a plane, and that changed. You know, it it evolved a little bit into the '90s, and then by the time 2001 hit, and we had this, you know, this incident, things changed again. So, you know, we 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 evolve. We think differently. We change what we do. You know, the way, we, the way we think about things is different. So this is another one of those change moments in our lives. And, you know, you embrace it or you, you know, you try and fight against it. But either way, like I said, the virus doesn't care what you do. Um, at the end of the day, you're going to have to change some of the things we do. So why not go ahead and 
just start thinking about that. What could we change and what could we make different? How could we make it better? Okay, that's my long-winded podcast. Um, bit unusual, I know, but I wanted to share with you where I am. I probably won't do another podcast again until I'm feeling better about the world overall. Um, so for now, I guess that's uh, it's another farewell for now. All right, and that's it. I am out. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company.